Hello and welcome to Office Hours with EAB. We're fortunate today to have a leader from the Kent State admissions team on the program to talk about why student transfers have become so critical to overall enrollments and why simply establishing articulation agreements with other two and four year schools is really just the first step. Our guests offer advice on ways to make your school more transfer friendly, and they offer tips on keeping those students engaged and on path once they arrive. Give these folks a listen and enjoy. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of our EAB Office Hours. Uh, We are joining you during National Transfer Student Week. My name is Allison Akalanu, and I am a director at EAB. Uh, I spend a lot of my time looking at enrollment challenges and outcomes at both two-year and four-year institutions all across the country, uh, but specifically digging into transfer pathways and pipelines. I am pleased to be joined by two of my colleagues here on the line. Uh, to have a conversation about transfer in honor of this week. Uh, I am joined by uh, Matt Sheldon, our Associate Director of Enrollment here at EAB, and also uh, Ted McGowan, uh, Senior Associate Director of Transfer Enrollment at Kent State University. Welcome, guys. How you doing? Good. How are you? Doing good, doing good. Loving the fall weather. It's finally cooled down here in the greater DMV. Um, would love to kick us off, Matt, with you uh, and hear a little bit more about what you are seeing out in the market today. Uh, and when we think about transfer, why you think schools should care more about this demographic and population uh, more than maybe they have in the past? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, um, Allison, for, for having Ted and myself. This is a super exciting uh, way to spend transfer week. So I think whenever we do these conversations about transfer and what's going on, we just really want to acknowledge, like, first and foremost, it's a challenging market out there. Like, this is a tough time for transfer. Um, you know, in terms of national data, when we look at really that 10,000 foot perspective, what we are seeing is that transfer is down around 14% since the start of the pandemic. Um, you know, transfer in and of itself is not uh, kind of removed from the macro factors. So we're down as a country um, and, and nationally uh, about 5% when it comes to overall first time and freshman enrollment. And so that has really uh, put a big emphasis on how do we make up that 5% uh, first-time freshman enrollment. And so what you're really seeing is these two factors kind of combining to make this marketplace really challenging. So first and foremost, we're seeing is the, that decline in transfer. But then also, because people have really lost out on their first-time freshman population, they're now turning uh, to transfer to, to make up for that. And so that is making the marketplace even more competitive. Um, and then you know, not to, I, I feel like to Debbie Downer to start off this call, but really what is going on is that, um, you know, all of these factors are compounded by, as we look out into the future, 
First time enrollment at community colleges is down about 21%. So, you know, this is why I'm really excited to have uh, Ted on the line with us today because, you know, as we kind of look in our roles at EAB, looking at the national numbers and, and the demographic cliff that is coming, it's great to have, you know, somebody who's in the field who hopefully uh, can really shed some optimism and talk about the amazing work that he and his team are doing. Um, so, Ted, I kind of wanted to, to pass it to you and, and just, again, thank you for, for joining us. But before we, we dive in, I think people in the transfer world know Allison and I pretty well at this point, but I think they would love to know a little bit more about you. Can you, can you kind of tell us a little about your role and, and how did you get involved in transfer? Well, sure. Thanks, Matt. Um, I, um, I actually was, uh, I got involved in admissions when I was a graduate student. And um, I had a GA in uh, GA ship and admissions when I was in grad school. And that led to a career in admissions. Um, I've been in admissions for 30 years. Uh, 2022 uh, is my 30th anniversary in admissions. And I have done just about everything in admissions. And, um, you know, international, adult, first year, um, and transfer as well. So I, I've done a lot of different populations um, through through that that kind of work history. But I think um, how I got involved in transfer was there was a need to kind of begin to recruit uh, transfer students. We had actually at Kent State, we kind of had a lull in transfer recruitment about ten years ago, and so. The university turned to me and, and asked if I would kind of um, take on that charge uh, to begin to develop uh, planning to recruit transfers and then actually implement the plan. And so that's how I got involved about 10 years in, in uh, transfer enrollment. Ted, just even building on that, um, for the folks listening that might not know much about Kent State, could you elaborate more just in terms of your student population size, the types of transfer students you see, uh, and even kind of the folks behind the scenes that actually support incoming transfer students above and beyond yourself? Yeah, so Kent State is a, is a large public situated in um, Northeast Ohio. You said the greater DMV. Uh, I'm going to call us the greater CLE, uh, short for Cleveland. And um, yeah, we are. Um, we have about 36,000 students. Uh, we're a regional campus model. So there's like the Kent campus, which is our largest campus. And then we have regional campuses all throughout Northeast Ohio. So what we see in Northeast Ohio is that transfer students are very um, regionally bound. So they stay very tight within the Northeast Ohio region. And um, so while we're the third largest public uh, four-year university in the state, um, you know, we enroll about 1,200 transfers a year. And there's there's quite a bit of competition. There's There are... Um, four four-year publics in just Northeast Ohio alone. And there's um, five two-year institutions in Northeast Ohio alone. So, so nine public institutions just in one quadrant of Ohio. And I'm sure that, I mean, you 
just mentioned it, uh, increased competition is certainly something that you all are struggling with or grapple with, but what are some of the other issues that keep you up at night when you're thinking about supporting your transfer enrollment goals or even just student success efforts relative to transfer? Well, I think anyone in admissions uh, thinks about the looming demographic cliff, you know, so that's that's something that's keeping us all up at night. You know, how are we going to deal with this? And, you know, the, the literature is out there that the demographic cliff has been delayed, but it's coming. It's coming in 2025 now. And and so that's that's something that's a real challenge uh, moving forward. Uh, most transfer students are, uh, you know, in an institution like Kent State, we're going to draw traditional age transfer students. And so those students are kind of in that demographic cliff, just like the, the first year students are. So that certainly keeps me up at night. Also, you know, there are just the the factors that um Influencers on students aren't convinced anymore that higher education is worthwhile. Mm. It's very expensive. It's something that, um, you know, especially with a, a little bit of a stronger job market, uh, parents are, are thinking, you know, maybe you should you should go get a job instead of go get go to college. And I I just had a, an interesting uh, conversation with a parent this last week that. Um, he was talking to me about his son and he was telling me, you know, I'm just not, uh, I'm just not sure that higher ed, higher ed is where it's at anymore. And I think hmm. he should just enter the, the job market. So it's a challenge just to sell Kent State uh, when you think about the competitors that are, that are out there within our region. But it's also a challenge because we have to sell higher education let alone our own institution. And I think that's something that's keeping keeping us all up at night, so. Yeah, and Ted, it's interesting you mentioned the demographic cliff and being one of the definitely up at night issues. I don't know why my stress point comes in uh, when I'm like walking around the grocery store and I was thinking about this on Sunday as I was doing my shopping. I was like, the students who are part of the class, the first class that are going to be part of this quote unquote demographic cliff are actually in high school right now. Um, either depending on what year you're looking at, either the the freshman or sophomores, depending on if you, uh, which data you subscribe to, whether it be 2025 or 2026. Um, and that definitely is something, uh, when you mentioned that kind of sparked, uh, sparked the thought in my head, but you know, you mentioned this, like really this, this, um, this competitive market. Um, I think in our experience a little bit, some of that has to do with the pandemic. And could you elaborate, are there any specific changes that you've seen over the last three to five years um, within the transfer market that kind of contribute to some of those uh, up, at, up at night issues that you have? Well, and I, I'm not sure exactly what is happening at the two-year level, but we all know that um, the two-year enrollment is, is on decline, Matt, and and we can see it. We can see the the numbers being reported out. Um, the the drastic drastic declines. Um, you had mentioned. I think you said uh, a fourteen percent decline in in uh, community college enrollment. 
I would say uh, here in Northeast Ohio, it's, it's actually a little stronger decline than that. So that's something that is, um, you know, is is interesting. And why is that happening? Why are students not going to two years? Um, or is it more of a of kind of a double cohort thing to where uh, high school students have been attending community college as a part of their their high school requirements. Mm-hmm. So those students don't necessarily have a strong need for two year education. They've already done that and they're ready to move on. So less uh, more students graduating quicker from community colleges. So less students that can actually enroll in community colleges. So the two years are hurt, but it also hurts the enrollment at the four years because we're only enrolling those students for a shorter period of time. They're earning a four-year degree um, through the through the um, the means of these these different pathways that are set up for them. Whether it's like in the state of Ohio, we have College Credit Plus or CCP, and so students while they're in high school can actually. Um, attend college um, as a part of their high school requirements and then satisfy degree requirements with those credits. So, um, yeah, so I think that that's something that is a significant change. I also think that COVID had something to do with this too. And, you know, you said the last three to five years, we saw declines at community colleges begin when COVID hit. And I don't know if it if it really has something to do with COVID or not, but it sure does seem like it does. And I think students are more engaged in a virtual sense now. And it's almost like um, it's almost like the the amenities that they used to be interested in the 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 brick and mortar amenities that colleges and universities offer aren't as relevant to the current you know today's student they're more interested in career outcomes they're more interested mm-hmm. in online options even even um services being virtual and things like that so we have really seen a drastic change in that uh, over the last three to five years. And, and I think that the community colleges have seen that as well. Um, not just the four years, I think the the two-year institutions, the community colleges and technical schools have, have seen that demand for, I want an online program. Um, I want, I want to be able to, you know, earn a degree online. And I want you to tell me what I'm going to do with this degree when I'm done. And I want to know how yeah. long it will take me to get to that point. Um, uh, yeah. yeah so. So, sorry. I want to dive in here really quickly because I, I think you mentioned something really fascinating in some of those changes um, that I, Alice and I would love to dive in a little bit deeper with you as you, as we're kind of talking to folks out there who are listening on and how they can their own transfer programs. So we talk a lot about, please think of transfer students as anyone with previous college credit. So is there anything in particular that your office is doing to recruit those dual enrollment students or those students who are getting through more quickly when it comes to the community college 
um, when it comes to, to moving through community college more quick, uh, more quickly because of the dual enrollment work that they're doing in high school. And how is, how are you all tackling that? Yeah. So I think that, you know, everyone does degree pathways nowadays. And so that's, that's something that's become very commonplace for four years to approach two years and develop two plus two pathways, or there's, there's a, a lot of variations on that. We're doing that at, at Kent State, but I think a key with that is some auxiliary services that are wrapped around the degree pathways, such as building relationships with students with transfer advisors. So that's something that, that we've really tried to, to focus on is uh, one-to-one outreach, building relationships. So actually proactively going after students and using, using the degree pathways that conduit to get to the student. And so that's that's been really, really key for us. Although students like to be stealthy too, and we know that particularly transfer, right, Todd? <laughs> for Allison, they they really like to be stealthy. So one thing that we've tried to do is give them the information so that they don't have to talk to us, right? So um, our we have enhanced our our website, and actually Allison was someone that helped us enhance our website. But we've also um, we've also we're, we're also using this tool that we call the flash credit estimator that allows students to go in, plug their credits in and apply them to a specific degree program at Kent State without ever talking to anyone at Kent State. We also uh, we also want them to save that information within the estimator. And uh, because they can go back, they can add to it, they can add additional credits, they can add AP or IB exams or CLEP credit, they can add all kinds of different types of college credit. But if they save it, I then have their information and and I can begin to um, interact with them and build that relationship one-to-one with an individual. And that, that's been a, a real key difference of something that we do. You know, it's one thing, um, in the last three years, we have developed um, like over a hundred degree pathways. If you would go to Kent State's website, wow. you would see all of these degree pathways that we develop, we've developed. And a lot of schools develop degree pathways. And you know, that's great. It's like a trophy on your website. Oh, look at all of these <laughs> pathways, right? We, 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 we have more degree pathways than anyone. You can actually promote that. It's meaningless if students don't know about it. And it's if you can't proactively tell your story about how students can use their credits at two-year institutions or the high school credits that they're earning that's college level and apply it to a degree, and then what's that outcome after I earn earn your degree? If you can't tell that story to a student, if you can't get to the student, the degree pathway is meaningless. So, so that's something that Matt that we're doing that's that's a little bit different, I think, than maybe some other schools. We're we're trying to build relationships with uh, stealth fighters, right? Uh, these students who like to swoop in under the radar 
and um, get their information and swoop back out. You don't even know they're there. So we're we're trying to to grab those those stealthy students and build relationships with them. Yeah, I think as we hear hear from folks on the line, that's always the two big things. If you can capture self shoppers and build relationships with folks, um, for those online, we have a we'll put our transfer resource center in the show notes, and we actually have there's some really great research speaking to exactly what Ted's talking about. Why it's so important to build research, uh, excuse me, build partnerships. Uh, there's great research on how to build partnerships with with folks and why it's so important. I have a couple reactions, Ted, I think, to a few things that you noted that I think would be important to call out for folks. Um, the one, just the last point you're making around degree pathways and the idea of articulation agreements, even, and having them on your website. Um, ACRO does recommend, ACRO has best practices for transfer and credit articulation. And one of the key things they do recommend is at least getting them on on your website and kind of checking the box. I think that's a good first step. But what we see is that um, a couple of things. Students, one, don't always follow the pathway. uh, And, you know, life happens. I think this is a very common occurrence, particularly with uh, community college students where um, they stop out, they uh, re-enter, they might go to a four-year, uh, a different four-year than Kent State, go to back to the two-year and kind of swirl and or transition. So even in the world of transfer, there's a lot of language shift um, from kind of traditional transfer to more thinking about these students as transitionary students that are actually not fitting the mold of two plus two or three plus two or one plus three. Usually it's some different hybrid in between. And I think for folks to take that away is is a good point that um, doing the course equivalency mappings is a good step, but it's typically not going to be enough to be competitive. So I think your point of having as much uh, uh, kind of inclusive and Um, specific, unique engagement per student is what is kind of setting you apart in this increasing competitive environment is is a good takeaway. Um, I like to push schools to think about that at scale because one of the challenges we hear time and time again is that um, budgets are tightening um, and uh, staff resources and capacity are really becoming a struggle. And I'm curious Ted, what your reaction is around like any kind of staff or capacity issues that you all have seen or encountered and um, other either self-service resources or ways that you've been able to scale your efforts, particularly given the volume of students that you see um, on an annual basis? Well, and we do see a lot of of students uh, on an annual basis. And, you know, when, when you think about, you know, uh, so we enroll 1,200 new transfers a year at Kent State. We took in a lot more applications than that. So we're we're really just within the the application cycle. We are interacting with a lot of individuals. So I think you know having having a lot of communication automated using a CRM. Uh, really building out your CRM as a as a tool and automating those communications. I I think 
I think really where we hang our hat at Kent State in the in the transfer enrollment um, world is that we do a couple of things well, and one is high touch marketing. We we send a lot of communications, and when we send those those communications, we are trying to tell our story and be very transactional as well. And so a lot of those high touch communications are automated and they're they're automated all the way through the admissions funnel. So whether you're in the, whether we're prospecting, you know, we've got hand raisers that are telling us they're interested in Kent State, they've applied, they've they have been admitted and they're ready for those next steps to their first enrollment all the way until they're sitting in a seat at, at Kent State, whether it's online or actually in a physical classroom, that we've we've we rely on that technology to really drive our communications. There's still room for one-to-one marketing too. And so I'm a big one-to-one marketing guy. And we have a whole one-to-one outreach plan that is uh really sem- semester by semester, but it's a bi-weekly plan that we review every other week and we look at our numbers and we determine what's the best use of our time. So we've got all of these prospects in the top of the funnel, right? And then we've got all of these applications and kind of the mid funnel, right? And we have admitted students that we have to follow up with based on where we're at in the cycle for the semester we're working on, which we're usually working on a couple of semesters at a time, what's the best use of our resources? They're limited. How do we pivot right now and have the most impact? What 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 is our data? So we make data-driven decisions and what's the data telling us and what would be the best one-to-one activities that we could do to make a difference? And what are the mediums? So if, if we're going to send these communications, what are those mediums that, that we want to use? Do we want to text students? Do we, do we want to email? Do we want to pick up the phone and call students? You know, what, what do we want to do right now to really make an impact on the student? And, and a lot of it just depends. You know, one of the, one of the, the greatest things that one of my marketing professors said when I was an undergraduate student, he said, the question to your, um, or the answer to your marketing question is, it depends. It, <laughs> it depends yeah. on a lot of factors, right, Matt? So it it depends yeah. on the market, right? What, what segment of the market are you working on? on um what exactly is happening within that market you know what what are those different factors that that you're looking at what's the data telling you and then making informed decisions so we we do a lot of that work allison because our resources are limited so that we can get the the best bang out of the resources that we do have to try and make an impact on on those prospects or applications that we're working with. That was kind of long. Yeah. Sorry. Well, no, <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think technology is such a critical component of uh, 
really nurturing today's generation of students who are entering college. And you can only um, reach the level of volume that you have and scale by using technology and self-service resources. Like the other kind of thing I would add to some of the points you were making is around like website optimization is so important and uh, really spending as much time um, as you can uh, doing a lot of user pathing, kind of click-throughs and auditing of the user experience for transfer students or students with transfer credit is critical because we um, definitely know and have experienced that oftentimes our websites are built for first-time, full-time freshmen. And the information that transfer students need relative to what we call the three C's, a little kitschy, <laughs> cost, credit, and completion can be challenging to find and ultimately understand in a stealth manner. Um, I'm curious, you know, so much about transfer is hugely cross-functional. Um, you know, you're dealing with what the points you made around transfer, uh, marketing, CRM, um, we've mentioned credit and technology. I'm curious how Kent State has approached the cross-functional nature of uh, from behind the scenes working with a transfer student. Yeah, so, you know, alignment is really important. Alignment is key. So we try to align with as many partners as we can internally at, at Kent State, but also in, inter-institutionally. So I'm going to make up a term. It might already be out there. I don't know. But, you know, we talk a lot about collaboration, but really inter-institutional collaboration is really key. And when you think about, um, you know, the degree pathway work that's done, but also the key influencers that are um, that you're working with at, at two year institutions. Um, I can't go to the local four year schools and walk around and recruit their students to Kent State. That's you know, we don't do something like that, but I can go into a two year institution and I can meet with um those two-year students and talk to them about when you're done with your work here at this institution, consider Kent State, and this would be how you would do that. But key influencers on those students are just as important. And I would say we actually do more work with key influencers, and that work is harder work than actually working with the student. So transfer center specialists at two-year schools, advisors or counselors, um, VA offices are, are critical, you know, and um, there's just so many people that work with students that have the ability to influence those community college students that um, we work really hard at kind of setting ourselves up and aligning with them. So, and doing that a lot. So that when they're when they're talking to a student and the student says, oh, I'm interested in X, Y, Z program, you know, Kent State has Y program. Have you have you thought about Kent State so that so that Kent State's kind of top of mind awareness for that key influencer and they can yeah. help us in that recruitment uh, of the student? And so one thing I wanted to follow, like just. Ted, is there, as we kind of think about takeaways that the folks on the, who are listening to this can really implement, any best practices you have for reaching out to those influencers? You, you mentioned 
um, your your credit estimation tool? Are you putting that in the hands of students? I mean, how are you kind of how are you influencing them to make them really an extension of your office? Yeah, so we we um, we have done a lot of hard work to build relationships with um, uh, those individuals that that work at community colleges at two-year technical schools mostly in the state of Ohio but you know once again transfer students are going to be regionally bound so we kind of look at our region and for our region it's kind of northeast Ohio northwest Pennsylvania so we're kind of we're kind of working in that realm but um we do a lot of different things Matt we we do we actually buy them food you know, we'll we'll do a luncheon yeah. and we'll have them come and we'll eat with them. You know, we'll give a presentation. We do a lot of work to try to get to faculty members too. You know, can I come into your class? If I can't come into your class, could you provide information to those students about this specific pathway that deals with the program that they're in related to the class that they're taking? You know, we've even done work um, to to try to uh, create kind of a first year course that's specific uh, for Kent State. So if if a student kind of raises their hand, they're interested in Kent State, we've actually done some some work with some institutions to um, have a specific section of those students in their first year course that's set up in the institution. So there's there's a lot of different ways that um, that you can get to those key influencers and really, you know, kind of bring them on board. And um, so those are some of the, the, the ways that we've looked at that. Ted, we are uh, at time always short when you're having fun. I'm curious to kind of round us out for our uh, special podcast uh, during National Transfer Student Week. Um, what's one thing you would have people do uh, to either honor or celebrate this week on campus? I think that um, as I think about National Transfer Week, um, so so we know with transfer students, there's a lot of transitional issues. So if you're at a four-year institution, you know, really take some time. And uh, if you're not involved with transfer students, maybe uh, look, at, look at some ways that you can be involved. Um, establish a program. I know in admissions, uh, we sometimes we will even do a, a transfer reception during National Transfer Week, just as a check-in for our students who have already transferred to us. And we have a very uh, close relationship with um, the, the folks in student success and transfer orientation. And so we work very closely with them and well, we'll have a reception for them and just kind of check in with them. How are you doing? How's the transition transition going to the four-year school? It's it's different. You know, there's a lot less hand-holding, I think, at the four-year school. Um, you don't know anyone. A lot of those 
relationships are all already established. So you're stepping into a new world. You might be feeling isolated. So it's important for people to know that. That's what transfers are going through. They might be going through sticker shock, going from a two-year school to a four-year school. They might be really uh, have in their face that um, they were not prepared academically and now they're struggling in the classroom. So just to be able to bring some transfer students together and check in with them and see how they're doing, I think would be a really great thing to do for National Transfer Student Week. Relationships is the most important part about transfer. I just love love hearing that over and over again because today, Ted. Yeah, relationships Ted. are definitely key. So it's something that um, should be the, the focus of your recruitment. Well, I think that's a great place to leave us this afternoon. I appreciate both of your time, Matt and Ted, on uh, today's office hours. Um, have a great transfer week. Thanks for listening. Please join us next week when we explore emerging approaches to dealing with students experiencing mental health crises on campus. Until next week, thank you for your time.